Hello and welcome to That Adventure Podcast. This is a brand new podcast set up to inspire people to get outside and go on their adventures, no matter how big or small they are. On today's show, I've been chatting to Brendan Prince. He is an incredible man who, after tragedy in 2014, set up his own charity above water to help prevent people from drowning. Not only that, but we have some great stories that come along and whether or not he had to hide from a polar bear for 24 hours. So, to find out more, have a listen. Basically, for for anyone, if they do decide to listen, would you, do, do you want to introduce yourself and obviously beforehand ask you to give us one truth and one lie and then hopefully, by the end, shall I do, by the end, shall I do it right now? We'll guess which one's true. But anyway, yeah. If you want to go away and introduce yourself and give us the, the fact and fiction. One. How are we doing? So um, my name is Brendan Prince and I am the founder of the charity Above Water. I also am the chairman of Torbay Surf Life Swimming Club and I'm also a teacher, an instructor, educator, um, both at Talkie Boys Grammar School and other facilities in South Devon region. Um, so my two facts. One was I cycled across Canada, it's a long way, and the other one was I had to hide from a polar bear for 24 hours. Which one is true? Is it? <laughs> I love these, I do love it. When, when, I, when you sent them over originally, I was like, Jesus Christ, I think I might have to actually go straight for it. And find... How long is Canada? So, there's the, the world record doesn't go from end to end. It kind of goes, because if you look at the east side of Canada, it's all islandy and all that. So it's from one fixed point. Okay, yeah. It's about three and a half thousand miles. But actually it's bigger than that. But the cycling bit is about three and a half thousand miles. Okay. Well, I know just because I want it to be true, because I think it'd be a great story. I reckon it's you had to hide from a polar bear. Correct. <laughs> is it yeah, correct <laughs> so, please can you tell us well the cycling one we started but lasted about two weeks and it was so flipping hard we gave up so i never did it, is it? <laughs> when was this that was 1996 and we, we one start... years old i would have been yeah it was oh really <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it was it was way too cold and i think we spent 12 hours cycling and and got five miles and realised that it just Jeez. wasn't going to happen. So all the bikes went back into containers, and we spent the next six months just hitching across Canada, which was probably more fun. So oh, nice. I've always cool. wanted to do it, but ne- yeah, maybe one day. Maybe one how day. Did the, how did the polar bear come into it? So I was on a, a research expedition. Um, it, it was an army-run research expedition. I wasn't in the army, um, but I was okay. a climber, mountaineer, so I was taken along for those sort of skills. And um, we we're in a region where there weren't meant to be polar bears, so we didn't have any way to protect ourselves other than ice axes and crampons. And uh, we were sat actually, it was about lunchtime, so we're sat in snow and ice. And one of the lads with us just kind of was looking in the distance because all you can see is sky and snow, and there's nothing else to define. Mm. So when something appears on the horizon, it kind of you notice it, and it was this shape moving. And from that sort of distance, you couldn't really tell what it was. But then you suddenly realised it was actually just following the way we had walked. And when you're walking in amongst oh, crevasses, wow. you're, you zigzag all over the place. And it was following our zigzags, our path. So we knew we had literally 20 minutes before it got to us. 
So we just had to get down into a crevasse on ropes and hang there. And we could hear it up above, smoothing the snow and... But literally That's just had to insane. Yeah, stay down there until we thought he'd had enough and disappeared. And we literally had to poke our heads up and hope he didn't rip our heads off in the time. But yeah, he, he cleared off. That is absolutely mad. I tell you what, I don't think that's going to get beaten at all. <laughs> Even if I do this for however many years <laughs> I plan to, that you know, story. The worst thing about it was, uh, after about an hour, I'd lost the feeling in my legs because I'm hanging, hanging from, um, hanging in a harness, and there's about a 400 meter drop just down into the ice, and it's freezing cold, and it it was it was torture for 24 hours. But anything was better than getting your head ripped off by a polar bear. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure. That's mental, but that is a great way to start. Thank you. No worries. <laughs> Thank you for that one. But yeah. So have you, have you always been outdoorsy, like even from like a young age? or, or Yeah, massively, massively. Um, when I was about 11, I went with, a, with my school to one of these sort of outdoor pursuit centres where you go okay, climbing yeah. and caving, and, and I just thought this is mental i loved it so um by the time i was 13 i was actually that very same center volunteering as a as a helper at 13 which basically meant i cleaned climbing kit and and muddy caving kit and i did that till i was about 16 then i started instructing there and i just thought actually i like this um so i was thinking about the forces but also thinking about becoming a teacher so I went to university down in Plymouth, which is massively outdoors. I mean, you've got the sea. Britain's and... ocean city. Yeah, totally. So you've got everything <laughs> there because you've got all the ocean stuff, but you've got, so you've got all the Dartmoor stuff and climbing, plenty of climbing around there, plenty of caving. So yeah, it, um, it all stemmed from there. And I managed to secure probably one of the best outdoor education jobs in the country. That was teaching outdoor education at Porky Boys Grammar School, which is a full-time um full-time employment, you know, and twice the money that you would be on as a normal instructor. So it was a brilliant gig, and that's why I did it for the best part of 23 years. No, that's awesome. I tell you what, I remember, because obviously I went to Talkie Boys Grammar School for anyone who doesn't know, but um, what we did, it was, I think it might have been when I was in year eight, so that would have been 2008, we went on a caving trip, and that was with you, and it was possibly one of, the, this, one of my highlights from going to school was doing that. And there was a set, I think they called it the cheese grate, which yeah. off a really narrow yeah. bit of the cave, which you had to squeeze through. I think only about three of us did it. It was nuts. It was, that was so fun. But now I can see why you'd stay there for 23 years if you get to go and do some proper awesome stuff like that. Well, that's it. And you, you, you get to take kids in an environment which often for them is a bit alien, um, that adventurous environment. And you see kids in a very different light. And what kids... And even adults show you when they're under pressure or they're, you know, proper in the moment stuff is just exciting. And it's liberating to, as a teacher, as an educator, and hence why it keeps you grabbed for so long, really. Mm, yeah, I'm sure. And I'm guessing those sort of situations as well, it's like when you see people truly being themselves because they have to think about they can't put on a front can they it's a exactly it's a that and it, it is pretty sketchy it can get yeah. scary well you, so, have, uh, you know, it needs to be in a challenging environment and even a, you know a 13 year old boy going caving you've got to challenge them otherwise they'll think well what was the point of that so yeah. 
and you see that you know the big rugby player necessarily isn't the big strong one when he's down a cave and the little tiny mm. not sporty type can often be the one that comes to the fourth and is the leader in the group because they've got that inner strength so you see all those different that's it stereotypes and coming that's, out that's, yeah no definitely and what's good about it is like sort of brings on to a point that it's it is for anyone like most people think sort of especially when you're younger it's the big strong ones who are going to be the sporty adventurous ones but it really isn't it can be for anyone and they can they can go out and do anything there is an activity for everyone to to find that they they truly like which is which i find quite good do you know what and that's that's exactly it and my my friends of school age when i was sort of 16 17 18 um some endured the activity and they kept doing it until they found out so they might have they just did climbing because we all did climbing but actually they then mm. found out that kayaking was for them and they've done that now for the rest of their life or they might yeah. have liked kayaking but it wasn't didn't really float their boat in the same way caving did or um you know just the surfing or uh being in the sea there's so many options with the outdoors That's and different it, activities yeah. and sports now Mm, definitely so obviously now you do primarily water focused things with with above water do you do you try and go go inland and do a bit of climbing say or are you stick in mainly to your water sports at the moment um it's funny because i actually had a bit of a climb uh this week um in torquay one of the first places i what i would say climbed properly um when i was about 16 17 other than sort of bouldering or um, mm. single pitch work but actual proper multi pitches hard stuff was actually in Torquay um, in the late 80s which oh, nice. you know I came here I actually arrived by boat so I didn't really know it felt like this magical place um, and then I didn't know that obviously what 15 odd years later I was going to return and stay here for the rest of my life so um, there's some great climbing in Torquay yeah. it's all hidden away and some public yeah. eyes, but yeah. So I do, I do try. It's one of the climbing. I've always felt I've never had power over, and I know it sounds very agri- ar- um, uh, sort of. It sounds a little bit arrogant that um, I don't feel that when I'm in the sea. So I feel I have mm. greater power over the ocean. I'll never have power of the ocean, of course not. But no, greater yeah. understanding of the water. You're more I'm comfortable there. More com- than you are hanging yeah, a thousand feet up yeah. from a rope. I think mm. there's always too much that can go wrong. Yeah, no, I um, I remember when I used to go like coast steering around Torquay, and if you didn't know, if you don't know where to go in Torquay, you're never going to find it as a tourist because you you just obviously go to the main bits, and you're never going to find the exciting spots. But we used to go, and there there were some guys doing some. It was insane the climbing they were doing, and it's just it's awesome. You just I didn't realise that we had it on our doorstep, yeah. literally, like, some proper, proper awesome things you can be doing. It's, it's, it's awesome to see. Well, South Devon is such a hub um, for all of that because we've got some really interesting coastline, um, which mm. enables great paddleboarding and swimming, but also enables great climbing and, and caving. There's, you know, there's lots of caves yeah. in all this limestone. Yeah. And even at parts, you can go go for a good surf, depending yeah. on the, the forecast, which I mean, very rare. 
but when it's there, it's great fun. So <laughs> it gets you better at surfing, though, because you're used to dealing with all the rubbish waves. That's it. That in any situation, yeah, you go out in the white froth, and then you can finally uh, <laughs> get on board and enjoy it. Yeah. So, how, how often are you able to get out and enjoy the outdoors? Then are you are you primarily taking up all your time with your, the charity work and teaching, or are you able to go out? Yeah. No. I I every day. Every day I either swim or paddleboard um, and I spent, I did 302 of the 365 days last year was in the sea. So um, I'm in there a lot and I make sure Hmm. that's my, that's my happy space. So even Hmm. if I'm only in for 20 minutes, if I do that in a day, life is very good. So I do it personally for me. I love, Um, there's something about the water, which is just, something else I, I'm the same I love I'm sort of happiest when I'm in it to be honest I, I really do enjoy it and it's a shame because I haven't been able to I mean so I, I used to be surfing quite regularly but I have not been in well I've not been to the beach where I usually surf at Whitsand since last year I haven't been able to get in at all this year because literally on New Year's Eve my wetsuit proper ripped right no. down the coast and there's no chance I was getting in so I bought a new one and then since then, there's been I've been busy doing courses on the weekend. I've been just I've just been not being able to go. It's been oh nightmare. So I'm hoping once this is all over, I'll be able to actually just go and lie in the sea for a bit, which would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. It's hard, and you've got to. I mean, I do a lot of very early swimming or very late paddleboarding to fit it in with a busy day. But um, yeah, that's it, it. you just kind of have to really, especially where we live. I'm lucky that I live kind of walking distance from the beach. So that really yeah. helps. And, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's part. And also because I do teach water safety, I think it's very important that I am improving my own water safety, my own water skills as a waterman myself all the time. Mm. So I, no, you know, I can really read the sense, water yeah. and, and then be able to teach others. So. No, definitely. And I think the other thing with you saying you either go early or late, you're, that's the sort of thing that if you do it, you remember how nice like, a sunset was. Or even if it's absolutely pissing down with rain, it still makes a makes a thing of it. And you remember it rather than sitting down on the sofa watching the <laughs> telly. Which you, yeah, it's nice, but you're not going to remember it, are you? So it's nice to go out and do things. Like, I'm a, I'm part of the Dartmoor Search and Rescue team, and I remember on our on our navigation night, it was when I first joined, we had a navigation evening, which is when I was a trainee, and it was raining upwards, sideways, downwards, it was so foggy, it was absolutely horrendous. Perfect night for training. Yeah, honestly, it was 8.30 in the evening in the winter, so it was pitch black, couldn't see more than a metre in front of you, but I remember it, because it was was probably one of the best nights I've had, it was great fun. One of the best training examples as well, because you can go in on that, you can go in most things. Exactly, and that's it. Because we're sort of trained like we're we're more often not going to go out in bad situations. It's not someone's not getting lost when it's like nice twenty degrees yeah. out and you can see let's see everywhere. Well, good it's, for you for doing that. Horrid. That's brilliant, brilliant yeah, volunteering. Yeah, it's it's good fun. It is good, and um, there's loads of different ways you can go with it. Such as you can, there's a water safety team, so you can get trained up in a so you get trained up to the level as the fire uh, fire I don't know officers are they firemen and women well there's lots and, there's um, lots of new qualifications now for for water safety yeah. um yeah. especially rescuing because of all the flood that's rescue it. that's now yeah, required yeah so 
Yeah, so they can be, I think they're Swift Water Rescue Technicians, we, we can qualify as. And then they're, I think they're trying to get onto the National Asset Register. So if yeah. there are floods elsewhere in the country, we can get called out to go and help, which would be pretty awesome. It's it's nice to be able to be able to have some skills which are helpful. So Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. So can you tell us about above water are you, are you happy to share with us why why yeah so um through well my many years of on the water um especially in tall bay tall bay is seen as a very safe bit of water because it's visible from three sides as in it's a bay so it's mm -hmm. it's, it's seen uh, so um it is seen to be a, a safe bit of water but i was finding as a sailing instructor or kayaking instructor doing stuff out on the bay especially through the summer months, you'd spend 20 minutes of every three-hour session pulling in an inflatable or someone who was yeah. doing something that they shouldn't have been and, and come unstuck. So that's when I set up uh, Torbay Surf Lifesaving Club to train lifeguards and educate. So that's been going 10 years now. But um, yeah. I really needed a way, as an educationist, to get into schools to, to go to the, the source of the, the issue, which is most children just don't know about water safety. They're not comfortable with swimming, even though it's on our national curriculum. So I thought, well, I should set up this charity. Charities are quite hard to set up. So it's one of those things that it's on your back of your mind. I should do it. I should do it. And then mm. um, I was involved in a tragedy in Morgan Porth um, some five years ago where I tried to rescue three people and um, they all died. So that was probably the that's horrid. Yeah, that's it was horrid. it was that's terrible, so terrible thing. Um, but hopefully, some good has come out of it because it gave me the kickstart I needed to set up the charity. And it definitely, uh, it definitely good has come from it. It definitely has. It's amazing what you're doing, and it's it's yeah. And what what you're saying is like before you said it's at the back of your mind. It was just, oh, I should do it, but from from this horrible thing that's happened it's become a must and that's what gets us to do things we do things because we must do them and then you've you've realized that this is something about to avoid this ever happening and for yeah. anyone to having to go through what you've been through they can well, motivation motivation comes from strange places and um yeah you know water safety is one of those things that unlike lots of other tragedies uh, it often occurs, draining often occurs when you're at your most happiest moment, whether, you know, because you're enjoying your run or you're in, because lots of runners drain every year, sadly, if you fall into water. Um, people at the beach, you know, they're having a, the time of their lives. The, the people I rescued were certain they were having the time of their lives that day. And all of a sudden, on a coin, it, it turns. And suddenly there's the worst tragedy in the world, which is a family member draining and not... And most people, when they see that type of incident happening, can't do anything about it, don't know what to do. Um, most other sort of incidences, people know what to do so they can feel like they're helpful. But in a draining situation, most can't, which then leaves you know, tragic um, thoughts for the rest of your life around the whole situation. So no, sure. to do yeah. any form of water safety, both to understand what to do if you fall into water and what to do if you see other people fall into water is, in my opinion, on an island nation that we live, um, is paramount. And because we're such Definitely. a small island, you know, there's just as much water inland with our lakes, canals, rivers, as there is the coast on the outside. Mm. So it's all important. Yeah, it's true.
and it shows like these guys are out surfing and uh i mean if you're comfortable out surfing you you can probably think you're on top of the world because you're surfing the waves and you think you're quite comfortable and it just shows that you don't you don't have to be a novice you anybody can get into trouble and as you're saying like being an island nation it's like the the program saving lives at the sea which shows the rnli rescues it, it doesn't matter who you are people need the help and uh, if they had that little more understanding and respect for for the water hopefully i mean obviously it, tragedies do happen they will happen but can reduce them as much as possible well and that's it and 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 it's also understanding that water should be uh, a massive resource you know it's like an outdoor gym it's it's amazing yeah. what it holds and and those that use the water regularly like your surface for example you know, incidences very rarely happen, very rarely happen, um, because you understand once you get into it, and if you get into it the proper way, how to learn through, whether it's clubs or mentors or surf lifesaving clubs or all these different things that are out there, um, you learn, you can really then get into this outdoor gym, which is the water, which is amazing. Mm. Unfortunately, yeah. and this is my biggest worry at the minute with the charity, is... We've got tens of millions of people all locked down, beautiful sunshine. When that lockdown comes yeah. off, they're all going to head to the beach. And all of a sudden, we haven't got experienced people like surfers, but we've got Joe Boggs, who you know has been on the internet and bought himself an inflatable something and is taking the kids yeah. out. And that's the tragedy. That's where we want to be telling people about tides, mm -hmm. about um, basic you know, the problems with the wind. Uh, with inflatable, yeah, you know, cold water shock, all these different things. And none of it's rocket science, but it's just stuff that makes you think and step back and watch the water and respect the water. And that's why we started the campaign of respect the water after lockdown, because it's going to be such a big concern. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I, there's going to be people flocking everywhere. And with you saying about the tides and whatnot, I just, I thought of uh, back, back, like, I think back in 2013, I was... It was probably one of the first times I proper got into surfing. And um, we, I went with a few mates from work. We went down to Whitsand Bay. There was some surf. We thought, oh, yeah, we'll give it a go. Have a, have a nice time. Um, like, I mean, they, they'd been one guy, a really experienced surfer. He was really good. Uh, another guy had been a few times. And then there was me and another guy. He'd been once or twice, but we weren't doing it. And we got caught in the most horrific rip. <laughs> it was unreal. And we were just paddling and paddling and paddling and just could not get out of it. And we we're just doing the completely wrong thing. And then the guy who was really good goes, look, what, what are you guys doing? He basically just told us, look, do this and get out. And we did. But um, from the top of the cliff, because it's like, it's a cliff to get down to the yeah. beach. People thought that we were in serious trouble and they'd actually called the, the Coast Guard. So um, we had to chat to Coast Guard, like, look, no, we're fine. So they did just arrive, caught, did they? Caught in this rip. Yeah. yeah. They arrived. And it just, I never felt so stupid in my life. <laughs> but, um, it was a big lesson, lesson learned for me. But it just, I just, I mean, I, it just shows to me how important what you're doing is. Because, I mean, I've, I've been lucky. I've, I mean, I've been washing machines hundreds of times on surfboards, feeling like you're going to drown. But it's, it doesn't happen because it's just part of the sport. But it's just... If you don't sort of know what's going on and what to expect, well, understanding, yeah, on. understanding those basics, and you'd be surprised how many people, you know, do buy a board and just go out and don't understand anything about the water, and and massively Definitely, come unstuck. 
Yeah, no, because it's quite a cool sport. So people will see it and just think, yeah, I want to go and do it. And they'll they'll go off and they'll end up. And if, if you watch anybody who's any good, it looks so easy. So they think, well, I can do that. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> they learn that lesson, it, it, unfortunately, the hard way. You're so right, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So have you got any sort of top tips for like three sort of top tips for water safety of what to do if you if you if for the people who are thinking of going out after lockdown who might take a dip in the water well the first thing about? is remember that even in the sun shining doesn't mean the water's warm so at the minute it's the coldest <laughs> water at the minute all year round sort of march april is the coldest easter is the coldest water we're very lucky in torbay yes. that it's about nine degrees which is super cold, but not as cold as other parts of the country, which is sort of four or five degrees. Um, so the first thing yeah, is... Yeah, when it's four or five degrees, isn't that technically called ice swimming if you're in something below <laughs> five degrees? Yeah, yeah basically. I was, I was watching Ross Edgley. And yeah. it's, it's just your body's going to shut down if you go in it without this right kit. Exactly that. So my first bit of advice is cold water. So cold water shock. So always acclimatise. Never jump into water. Always acclimatise the body. Anything under 16 degrees is classed as cold water. Our average temperature in Great Britain is under 16 degrees. So that means that <laughs> unless, unless you're sort of late August, September, most of the time it's under 16 degrees. So you just go and do that thing that British people love to do and just run and jump in the water. And as you quite rightly say, your body can shut down and you, you can drain within seconds. So that's the first that's bit of advice. Yeah, Definitely cold water shock, acclimatise the body. Um, next bit of advice is for parents, and that is... The drowning is totally silent. So all the years I've been as a lifeguard, I've never had a person drowning who was calling and waving for help. This doesn't happen. It's totally silent. Because if you think that person who's in trouble, the last thing they want to do is use their last bit of breath to call for help. The last thing they want to do is get a hand out of the water that they think is trying to keep them afloat to wave at you. And that's why as a parent, you can never take your eyes off the child in water. You seriously can't. To, to take that one sec, 30 seconds to look at your phone or to answer somebody, you cannot take your eyes off a child in water because it because draining is, is silent. And um, third bit of advice, whenever you go to the beach, whenever you go to the water, uh, just take two or three minutes to see what's going on. What's the water doing? Have you worked out if it's coming in or going out? If you're in a river, which way is it flowing? You know, all those basic things. Just look at the environment, check the environment out. Most people who love the, the, the outdoors would do this without even thinking. So they, they're familiar with their surroundings before they then enter into what they're going to do. So just take that few moments just to work the, the, the environment around you out. There you those, go. Those are great. Yeah, no, excellent. Thank you for that. That's great. And finally, then, how can we help you? How can anyone who might decide to listen to this, how can we help you? What can we do for, for you slash above water to well, thank you for speaking to us? No worries. Well, all the work we do for schools is totally free. So we never charge a school, no matter where they are in the country, for a lifeguard to go in to speak to all those kids. It's all totally free. But unfortunately, it does cost the charity money and it costs about a pound a child. So if we're going into to teach 150 kids in a school, it costs about 150 kids quid to, to, to stage that. So we are actually running a campaign at the minute through Aviva Community Funding. It's a crowdfunding for 25,000. And we're asking for one pound. 
just to go on. Yeah, yeah log in. To that one, actually. One yeah. pound. Um, we're going to ramp up that because we're on about 1,500 at the minute. Ramp that up because uh, we've got about another six weeks to do that and just try and get another, what, 23,500 people just to put in a pound. We don't think it's, it's that yeah. much to ask. It takes about, I mean, how long did it take you to log on and, and put a pound? Not long at all, a minute, if that, like, it, it goes over in a second. So super simple. And it, and only if we collect the whole 25,000 do you get charged a pound. If we don't make the 25,000, everybody gets their money back. So it's, um, it's a gamble for us, but that's our, our campaign at the minute. Uh, because of this lockdown, coming out of lockdown, we're trying to put out as much online material as possible um, to educate mm. so people are educated when they come out of lockdown. So we're doing lots of stuff and lots of different ways on our website of raising money. You know, you're thinking of running a marathon, having a swim, perhaps you could use the charity as your, your sponsorship. Um, yeah, lots of different ways, just really spreading the water safety message liking and sharing our water safety stuff on above water on facebook instagram twitter and uh, yeah just supporting what we're trying to do and and if that can be in money terms then that's good too awesome excellent thank you for that i'll share it on my um instagram as well i've done it on facebook but i'll do it on my instagram for my own personal page and also on um on on the podcast page so hopefully someone might see it someone might donate a pound and we'll, we'll see how we can do with that awesome jj that's brilliant but anyway that brings us to the end of that so we'll say goodbye to the listeners thank you take care i think we can all agree that brendan's a pretty incredible person with what he's been doing with the charity above water not only that but he's got some awesome stories and i know i say awesome a lot but they truly are I hope you've enjoyed them and I hope you look forward to listening to some of our future episodes where we're going to hear some further amazing things. I hope you stay safe during this weird time and love to you all. Bye.